hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join me today. Don't forget, we are two weeks away from our annual outlook. This year, we're doing it online, so it's easy for you. It's accessible. All you really have to do is register. This year, like most years, it's about navigating the path forward. And let's face it, we've had a remarkable run since the market bottomed in 2009. You really didn't have to be a stock market genius. All you had to do was be invested. And I'll tell you, at the beginning of this run back in 2009, that would have been really hard for a lot of people. Think about it. The market was down over 60%. We were all worried about the banks failing and just all kinds of other things going on. Or going on. It was just a mess. But here we are now entering the 10th year of a bull market and everyone's feeling pretty good about themselves and their situations. Portfolios up, but things are good. The question now is, can this continue on and for how long? That's what I'll try to answer on Saturday, January 27th. That's when I'm releasing the seminar video. To register, go to XMLFG.com. Once again, it's XMLFG.com. There, you'll see a banner in the middle of the homepage, and you just click on it. It's pretty easy from there. You don't need me to explain it to you. So just go to XMLFG.com. This year, we aren't unfortunately accepting donations for charity, but I promise you we'll get that back up there next year. Today, we have a good bit of ground to cover. A little bit later, I'll be talking about our core philosophy and the kinds of stocks that we look for. But first, let's catch up on the markets. We finished pretty strong last week. The markets have risen eight of the year's first nine trading sessions. Excuse me. Eight of the first nine trading sessions of the year, we are higher, resulting in gains of over 5% for the NASDAQ, 4.4% for the Dow, and 4.2% for the S&P. I'll tell you, those numbers, those types of quick gains always make me a bit nervous. The market is continuing to react to good economic reports, the high expectations that the enacted tax cuts are going to spur business investment and boost corporate profits. And of course, we kicked off earnings seasons last week with a few of the big banks reporting. As a matter of fact, JP Morgan was out last week and the stock was almost, uh, almost up 2% on Friday after it handily beat estimates. And I'll warn you, I'll warn you now, Earnings could be a, a bit messy this quarter because a bunch of the companies are adjusting for two, uh, new tax legislation. So don't just take a quick look at the headlines and react to it. You really need to be on your toes here and do your own research. Just like always, you need to do your own research. You don't buy something because you heard it on a podcast or the radio show or read it in a magazine, what have you. You always need to do your own research. And we'll continue to get earnings out for the next few weeks. This week, we'll get a couple of my favorite financial stocks 
USB comes out on Wednesday. Synchrony Financial, symbol SYF, is out on Thursday. I think there's a lot to like with the financials. With the economy buzzing along here at better than 3% GDP growth, bankers seem a little bit more willing to extend credit, which bodes well for loan growth. You have loosening of financial regulatory requirements, higher interest rates, which should help margins, and pretty good credit quality thanks to low unemployment. As I said, I like the financials, the banks, the asset managers, heck, even some of the insurers. Another group I like are the energy stocks. Oil is up almost 50% from the bottom last June or July. If oil stays above $50, well, these stocks should continue to do pretty well. And I think it does. OPEC and their fellow exporters decided to extend their production cuts beyond March. And they're expected to continue through the rest of the year. And on top of that, you're seeing improving demand as the world's economies get stronger. It's, it's really a simple story. Supply is being kept in check and you have more demand. Common sense would say the oil stocks should do well. And they have. Over the last month, they're the best performing sector, up over 11%. That's my problem, really. The one I like the most, CVX, Chevron, is up almost 12%. So it's getting harder to buy. I tell you, if it came back down to about 120, I'd be a buyer. I might have to go back and revise my numbers here. So just stay tuned. A couple of areas I'm not so crazy about are the utilities and the REITs. Now, don't get me wrong. The utility and real estate people, well, they're good people. My issue stems from my belief that we're going to have higher interest rates over the course of the year. Here's what I'm thinking. Since the great financial crisis, interest rates have been incredibly low, abnormally low, and the higher yielding stocks have done well. The reason is, is that retirees have almost been forced to buy them. Think about this. If you did a financial plan 10 years ago, you sat down and the way we used to do it 10, 15, 20 years ago on the back of a napkin or an envelope, and you sat down and you figured that if you could save a million dollars and when you retired, you could take that million dollars and you could put it in CDs or bonds and you'd get, well, maybe 5%. Well, that would be 50,000 a year plus social security and whatever else you had. And that would end up being pretty good. Well, the problem quickly became you couldn't get that 5% CD anymore. Not after the great financial crisis. You couldn't get 5% CDs. You were lucky to get 1%, if that. So a lot of folks look to the utilities and REITs for that income. Now that interest rates are going up, these become less attractive to this group of investors. We've already seen the REITs take it on the chin here. And if you think rates are going to keep going up, then these areas probably aren't where you want to be looking. I think bonds are also going to struggle. If you're a bond buyer, I keep my maturity short here. Let's talk about the planning side of things for a minute. This is something I I really don't do often enough, and, and I should. It's the beginning of the year. And things are starting to get back to normal for for a lot of us. The holidays are past and things are settling down. So 
I say this is a great time to review what you're doing. Check and see how your portfolio is performed. Are you allocated in the right way? Is that allocation meeting your needs? Well, the only way you're really going to know this, in my opinion, is by having a good, solid financial plan in place. If you don't have one, get one. Are you saving enough? Employee contributions for 401ks went up $500 this year after two years of no increases. And for those of you who are 50 and older, the catch-up provision remains the same at $6,000. I would also say spend some time looking at your tax situation and do some tax planning. I'm not an accountant. I don't even play one on a podcast. But with all the tax changes that have passed, I think it'd be worth some time to sit down and reevaluate what you're doing. Just make sure that what you've been doing is what you want to do going forward. I think a lot less people are going to be itemizing this year. So that may affect some of the things that you're doing. If you need help in getting a plan together, well, give us a call. That's what we do for a living. I mentioned this a while back. I think the beginning of the year is a great time to look at your estate planning needs also. Check your beneficiaries and don't forget to name contingent beneficiaries. We need to step away for a couple of minutes. When we come back, we'll talk about our core philosophy and the kinds of stocks that we're looking for. This is Eric Whiteman in Common Sense Investing, and we are back in just a minute. You worked hard. You saved and invested along the way. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off so you can do what matters most to you, whether it's giving back to your community or ensuring a safe, comfortable retirement. It's never too late to start planning. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. If you want someone who can help you navigate the investment landscape, then please visit us at our website, xmlfg.com or call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. If you have a question for the podcast, email us. It's podcast at xmlfg.com. Once again, it's podcast, which is plural, at xmlfg.com. I said we were going to talk about our core philosophy and what types of stocks we're looking for when we're doing our research. And the simple answer is we're looking to buy things for less than what they're worth. Hey, I'm cheap. What can I say? That's really the simplest answer I can give you. Both value investors and growth investors, well, they're going to say the same thing in one form or another. I can't imagine anyone saying that their goal is to buy something at a price higher than what it's worth, except maybe if you're one of those crypto investors and you go out and you're buying crypto kitties, but that's another story for another day. You basically have two camps of investors, the value camp and the growth camp. If you ask people to pick what kind of investor they want to be, well, everyone's going to hold up their hand and say, I want to be in the growth camp, right? We want to make money and we want to have our portfolios grow. Well, 
both camps want to make money. We just go about it in different ways. So really valuing growth, that's really a misnomer. Of course, we think our way makes the most sense. And I believe that you have much better results over the long term. Just my opinion. What we found is that value can hide in a lot of places. And a lot of great and value investors have been pretty flexible, whether it's Benjamin Graham or Warren Buffett. They all recognize that the most important thing is to search for value. And it doesn't always present itself in one metric. There is no one rule for what makes it all work in all different types of environments. So the bottom line is we look for really good to great companies. And ideally, we're looking for growing companies, but we don't want to pay for the growth. We're looking at companies that produce free cash flow, ones that have good balance sheets because balance sheets matter. And in general, companies with a competitive edge. But what it really all comes down to is price. And it all comes down to value. Price is what you pay and value is what you get. We definitely think about the intrinsic value of a business and what the market pricing is relative to that intrinsic value. And to get to that valuation, we look at a lot of different factors and we don't tie ourselves to just, like I said, one or two different metrics. So there are really two basic questions you need to ask yourself when you're looking at an investment. Is this a good company? And what price am I willing to pay for it? And we could spend all day talking about this, but I'll keep it brief. To answer the first question, is this a good business? Well, that leads you to a whole bunch of other questions that you need to answer, like what's the cash generation profile? Do they generate free cash flow? How does management think about capital allocation? Does the way management talk about capital allocation match to what they actually do about it? And the way you can look at this is go back and read the last four or five annual reports and read the letter from the CEO and see what they say. See if it's consistent. See if they do what they say they've been doing. When you find a company that you like, you need to determine the price that you're willing to pay. Again, we could spend days talking about this, but what I think is the most important thing is that you give yourself an ample margin of safety. Determine what you think the company is worth and then demand a discount. You do this because you could have easily made a mistake and you're just giving yourself some room for error. The price you pay for different types of companies are going to vary too. I would suggest that you pay more for a company that has predictable earnings, has a great balance sheet, and a terrific management team that's acting in a shareholder-friendly way, as opposed to a company that doesn't have these qualities. When you're able to answer these two big questions, is this a great company and what price do I want to pay for it, and let's assume you buy it, Well, then you need to exercise some patience because stocks go up, stocks go down. Well, maybe they haven't been going down as much as they historically normally do, but you need to be patient. If you bought a stock for what you believe is a 50 cent dollar, you got a great deal. 
we'll assume that you're right in, in your math. You bought a 50 cent dollar and then the next day the market drops and so does your stock. Now it's trading for 30 cents on the dollar. How mad can you be? How mad can you really get at yourself? You bought it at a significant discount. How are you going to know that the next day it was going to be even cheaper? That's just short-term market action. That's market timing. You could always add to your position and average down. But in the end, if you're buying stocks at a discount to what you believe they're worth, then you're going to do just fine over the longer term. Listen, we've run up to the end of the allotted time that we have for today. Don't forget to visit us at xmlfg.com to register for this seminar. And we'll be back next Wednesday with new ideas. But until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.